What's a vertical file? It's a library collection of small publications used to answer questions. On Vertical File, we talk about information and knowledge management in many different fields, covering the practical, the technical, and the philosophical. This is Vertical File by Sutron Global. Welcome to Vertical File. I'm your host, John Connolly. Today, I'm joined by Brian McCann. Brian is a knowledge manager and librarian for an AmLaw 200 law firm in Kansas City, Missouri. Brian has also launched a new TikTok channel called Library Dad, in which he dispels myths and gives inside information about libraries and the issues they face today. Brian, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thanks, John. I'm really glad to be with you today. I wanted to dive into your outreach, kind of your advocacy for libraries on social media and things like that. And I wanted to start there. How has the library field changed recently, just in your experience? You know, I was, I was in libraries for 16 years. Mm-hmm. But for you and your perspective, how have things changed? That's a good question. Um, it's tricky because in one sense, libraries have not changed all that much. They're still doing what they're doing, but they're expanding the ways they do it or the venues or uh, the audience, you know. Um, so they're kind of growing the things they, they do. Our tendency, or I think a large audience tendency perhaps, if we don't know about something, we presume that it was stuck or still in the past. So there's this perception of, oh, libraries are having to change and do this now because they haven't been doing this X, Y, Z for 30 or 100 years. So um, at the heart, we're still doing what we've been doing, which is largely connecting people with information that they need. It might be nonfiction information for work or for getting work, uh, but it also might be things to enrich your life. What we're seeing now, I think, is that, and we have this default image of a public library, right? Or a, a school library um, and picture books and stuff. But um, but libraries include the field of information science. And I'm, I'm trying to start using those terms more interchangeably um, because that's what libraries and information science do. They connect people with data that matters, right, to them. And if you think of all the information that you encounter in a day, that list has grown a lot, um, and even notably in the last few years. You know, you need to know uh, the route to drive to work. You need to know what the weather's going to be. You need to know uh, when it's time to pay your bills, where you go to do that, how it's done, how much money you have, where that's coming from, where your tax is going. There's, there's information everywhere, and all of that has to be gathered and stored and made available. That is all information science that we do. That part hasn't changed. It's um, The venue for it has changed. What people want and what people need and the amount of sheer data out there is what we're seeing growing more. And thankfully, as a field, we're growing into that, I would say. And where does the future lie then? I mean, we've, it sounds like there's been this radical expansion, right, in the amount of information that's out there. Mm-hmm. And I was reading uh, the other day, it's like measured in zettabytes, which is oh like, God, yeah. you know, thousands and thousands of petabytes. And mm. it's it's just a, a staggering amount of information that we are steeped in every day. What does the future look like? I think we'll see a lot of something's continuing. So it's not like every library is, is going to change. And for the record, there are generally three kinds of libraries. There's public uh, that you're used to in your communities. There's academic at colleges and universities. Um, and then there's special. There's that other kind uh, that I happen to work in, um, which is companies and historical societies and things like that. Things that public libraries do, like fostering literacy and building community and helping people live their day-to-day lives, right? Uh, 
registering to vote there, searching for jobs there, getting tax documents there. That stuff is going to continue. Um, academic libraries are going to continue. They contribute to almost all research. People often think that you know private companies do a lot of medical research and stuff. They do, but often with taxpayer funding, and also uh, in conjunction with like universities that are funded by taxpayers. Those sorts of things are going to continue. Um, again, we're not going to see total transformation of all those things. Public libraries are still going to be do there and doing a lot of their things. We are seeing some added fields, and I think they're going to become they're going to become even more relevant in the next you know five to ten years. One of the main ones I always recommend if libraries when I meet librarians who feel a little bit stuck is to consider information security. This is a huge field. Uh, there's lots of openings in it. I know a bunch of folks in it. Um, this is protecting data and ensuring that people handle uh, information securely. You might remember, I think it was a few Super Bowls ago, there was a there were a number of ads that had QR codes that popped up on the screen. And I didn't even have to go online and ask all of my info security folks were like, no, don't, you know, you don't, don't just scan a QR code that somebody shows. You don't know where it goes. You don't know where it's from. Who put it up there? What are they going to do with the info? Asking all those kinds of questions, extremely important. And that's kind of a behavioral piece, info security, that's going to reach into our daily lives as well as businesses. Um, data analytics, we're going to see growing. There's so much data, as you said, zettabytes and all that. There's so much that handling it is an issue, not just handling it, but being able to find it. Uh, when you need it is an issue. And I think more and more we're seeing issues of intellectual freedom and privacy. Uh, I'm thinking of like five stories I saw this week uh, where, you know, data and those things butted heads against each other. Um, and I think of things like, you know, there's website cookies, permissions on apps on your phone, listening all the time. It's not chance when you mention something and then an ad for it comes up on your device. That is not uh, a coincidence, sadly. I would say that's uh, more a matter of privacy. Um, and then intellectual freedom includes banned books, which we're seeing so much more. So all this data, the way that you physically or digitally store it, but also know how to store it, is a matter of like critical thinking. And how do you understand the value of a thing without having to agree with it? If anyone hasn't or wants to get a start on this, Safia Noble has written a lot about like Google al algorithms specifically. So when you search for, when you Google, you know, certain keywords, it will produce racially biased results. People think, oh, an algorithm is neutral. Algorithms are made by people. And therefore, the algorithm is just as biased as we are. How do we, and I mean, librarians here, market ourselves as a profession moving forward? We've kind of touched on that, right? Yeah. Like you know, starting to use terms like information manager, but like how, how are we supposed to reject our presence and value in the future? Using mixing, mixing up terms is really helpful. Um, it is why it does also make it really difficult to look for work as a librarian because you can't just type in library to a job search engine. You know, you have to type in information specialist or this or that. Career models still have not quite a grasp on what we do. So it's, it's difficult, but using a broader you know, menu of terms is adequate to describing the menu of things we provide. But even just recognizing that terms like information specialist or knowledge manager, that's what I am, mm -hmm. um, that they all apply to interconnected things. I think having taglines would help um, about what we do, but also about some of our principles. Like one that I, I use a lot, I'm kind of hoping it catches on, um, is uh, I often say a lot that not being able to find something is the same as not having it. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, 
if you spend time storing and naming a file and okay, this is good. I added these notes. It's great. If you can't find it, that time is all wasted. That work yes. is wasted. Yeah. I would like to see us market each other partly for ourselves, like in professional networks or, or national organizations. I, I've been a member of, you know, like the American library association, the special libraries association, I, I'm briefly the public librarian association. There's a lot of them, but they don't all connect with each other. Like mm -hmm. ALA doesn't have much space for people like me. Uh, from you know corporate or law settings, SLA doesn't talk to those public ones because why would they have anything to do with us? Well, we all work with information in a lot of different ways, and so we have things to learn from each other. Before pandemic, I'd set up some basically networking events for any li any library and any information around my city, um, and it was doing okay. But then pandemic and it dropped off, and it was right. I'd like to see more of that for marketing ourselves. I think we should also highlight the transferability of our skills. So, for instance, I do knowledge management now, I can do that anywhere. I also work with user experience and web design, you know, making sure that people can get to information they need quickly. I can do that anywhere, you know, for a public agency, for a private agency. Um, so it's not just, I don't think we want to confine ourselves to a particular box. There are a lot of ways, and I'd say another one of my kind of taglines is that everyone has information needs. So don't look for just a library, every business, every community group, Every sports league has information needs. Um, they need to store and retrieve information. And they're already doing that. Without right. us, they're doing it really badly. You know, we yes. can help and save so much time um, and help everyone to grow in those ways. I would, I would love to see us uh, mark ourselves in those ways. I'm really interested in the knowledge management element there. You mentioned knowledge management, right? Yeah. For people who are interested in learning more about that do you do you have any like references or resources off the top of your head here that you can refer people to and just say if you're looking to learn a little bit more like where's a good place to start for people i'm actually preparing a, a presentation for a conference in a few months that's about um, getting more education with certificates rather mm -hmm. than degrees so yeah about uh two years ago i got certified as a knowledge manager um so that was done through the knowledge management institute there are others, but it's a pretty reputable place. Um, it's not cheap, but they can put you in the right direction. For this, I would actually say to to look on social media for hashtags of KM and for knowledge management, because that's where you're going to find likely the most connections for things. Some folks have firm definitions of exactly what knowledge management is and how it functions, but it's also very principle-based, so it's hard to define sometimes but it does have to do with getting people the information they need at the point when they need it. Mm. And just having uh, behaviors and structures set up so that uh, no one has to reinvent the wheel. Everyone can do things efficiently. There's a way to do things. We're not all sitting around finding a new way. It's weird because it, KM is both an initiative that you do at your you know, company or at your group, but also it's a behavior that you want to be an ongoing thing. So typically KM initiatives, when a firm or a company says, hey, let's start you know, doing KM, we're going to get on that, that train. Um, usually that takes five to seven years uh, to work through all levels of the company and make it clear and get things actually in use and get kind of primed. After that, it becomes a cultural piece. You know, mm -hmm. it, people should be storing and sharing information in set ways um, that then are still reviewed. It's never like you're fully finished. So it keeps going on. So in a way it's a short term, but also a long term, and it's finished, but unfinished. And so it's, it's a rather nebulous field. Uh, yeah. Um, which I don't mind. It gives us a lot of room to operate. 
And I've seen the like analogy to risk management, for example, right, or safety mm-hmm. management, and those are those are tasks that are never done. Yeah, but they are you trying to cultivate that behavior level, right? Where you're saying like we have to have a culture where everyone is aware of certain risks and we're always monitoring them. Everyone is aware of safety. These things that like it's everybody's job. Mm-hmm. Right now, I feel like. Many corporations are saying it's not everybody's job. That's IT's job, right? And that's mm-hmm. like <laughs> it's not yeah. it's not fair to IT, and it's uh, it's also doomed to failure if people are not entirely on board with it. Exactly. Um, I use a lot of examples. For, I, I use day to day examples whenever I can. But one of the one of the key principles of KM that I use a lot is there's this kind of cycle, four stage in a circle kind of diagram for implicit and explicit knowledge, right? Because a lot of what we do, we don't talk about implicit. And we need to get it where it's actually spoken or written so that someone else can interact with it. If it's implicit right. and in my own head, nobody can do anything with it. But if we can get it outside of a person's head and written down, then we can workshop it, we can grow it, you know, we can grow that body of knowledge, we can use it in different ways. Mm-hmm. But if it doesn't even get out, then it, it can't get used. And worse, what you often see KM used to address is uh, job knowledge, re- is knowledge retention when people leave their jobs. So somebody leaves, they didn't take notes on all, all those that those implicit things they knew, and it's just gone. Right. So, yeah, again, if you can't find it, it's the same as not having it. It literally walked out the door. I want to kind of pivot here to, you had mentioned, you know, get out there, look at the hashtags, get into social media. Yeah. And you're on TikTok now. I uh, am. Which is, I think, <laughs> unusual for people in our uh, in our line of work. And mm-hmm. so you started a TikTok. It's called Library Dad. And I just wanted to kind of ask in passing here, like what what got you involved on TikTok and how are things going? <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm a middle-aged dad on TikTok. I am my kid's worst nightmare, you know. Um, <laughs> hooray, that's me. Yeah, it was an interesting journey. It started because of my volunteer role with the uh, – Missouri Library Association. I'm the social media coordinator for them. I uh, have been for a few years. Um, and in the past year or so, we've seen a dramatic rise in book banning and book challenging, um, including some other things happening in our state. Our Secretary of State passed a rule that was notably, it is notably like censorship driven. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it raised a whole bunch of issues that I, through our social media account, got us to explore with the community, let folks know it was a bad idea. Um, you know, in the open comment period, we had tens of thousands of people send in protests to this rule. Okay. So then when he instituted the rule anyway, <laughs> we had more things to say. Um, and so we got to do that. So, but the social media interaction we had, uh, basically Twitter and Facebook did really well. And we wanted to take a next step. And we noticed that behind the wording of this rule was a high level of ignorance about how libraries work mm-hmm. and not even doing research into what we do. So it was completely ill-informed right. um, and misjudged right. us. There's, there are presumptions at its foundation that we you know, have limitless funds, that we don't pay attention to what we purchase for the library, that we effectively you know, have adult materials for kids, which we don't. We never have, but nobody bothered to look into that. So I actually got to talk with some folks from ALA, the American Library Association. They were terrific. And we talked about doing video as a way to discuss more of that. Tweets and uh, social media posts are good. But for more context, it is helpful to have something else. So 
you know, we kicked around some. So I decided to start a TikTok where I can just give nuggets of brief insight into how libraries do certain things. Like, do we have limitless funds? How do we choose things? How much training goes into people who do the book buying uh, and the resource management for libraries? I've got a series that also deals with those tweets that I mentioned. And then I posted some, I'm mixing some things in there that are just, I guess, library-ish or bookish for me. We passed, uh, you know, National Book Lovers Day. So I shared my, so I did a TikTok for my favorite actual print book to hold in my hands and why it is. So I'm, I'm going to do more of those things as well. But we've, we've talked some about various intellectual freedom issues, privacy issues. Uh, they're all fair game because we cover a lot of ground. And people just, general public just doesn't know the sorts of things we do and how we do them. And I saw one of your TikToks just uh, just dispelling myths, right? Mm-hmm. Getting people good information. And uh, you were, I think, at the one of the Federal Reserve mm. Bank libraries, just like standing yeah. in front of just letting, like, this is a thing, everyone. Like, there's information management that's needed for these kinds of institutions all over the world. And you need information management professionals who can handle that. And that's us. Just on that note, what's the deal with the special libraries? Because it seems <laughs> like there's, there's so many out there. So a lot of people I know, they have like this, you mentioned it, right? This decided information about, you know, this perspective of what is a library. And they think public library, children's books, story time. <laughs> right. And but what makes li- special libraries so special? Yeah. And I, you know, I've never done the research for why we call ourselves special libraries. I, I'm sensing it was 100 years ago or something like that. You know, maybe we have Dewey to thank for this. But you, you can almost replace it with miscellaneous. You know, there's, there's public and academic and those other guys. Yeah. Um, yep, that's us. Um, I've been trying to rebrand it a little bit when I talk at conferences or with peers as specialized libraries, because we really do a lot of the same things that other folks do. My library catalogs works. We check things out and circulate them. We address research needs uh, and we help with knowledge management and how people store information. That's all basic across the board stuff. I happen to do that at a law firm. Right. And so in some sense, the stuff isn't too different. Um, I will note that we do sometimes get to go further. You know, when I worked at a public library in management, I would, you know, look at hours and statistics as far as who attended these programs, how many did we have, how many people came in the door, you know, and those kind of analysis. Currently, I run analysis and charts on thousands of research requests that we get and our database usage over the course of the year and uh, a lot more. So it's it. So for that's just as an example for you do one thing, you just do that thing a lot more or a lot more deeply. Right. Um, one of my kids was uh, is starting college and they did a college visit to a whole bunch of places uh, with a school program. And she gave me the list. I'm like, oh, great. I know a librarian there and there and there and there. She did wind up going to a school where I know librarians. So that's nice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're fully like a third. Special libraries are like a third of the info ecosystem. But we don't get talked about and we don't present at conferences and we don't get invited to events around town. I would love to see that change because there's there's so much overlap and so the, so much that we can, of course, all learn from each other. I would absolutely love to see that happen more. I agree. So I want to thank you so much for taking some time and joining us today on the show. Where can people reach you if they want to reach out and kind of talk more about some of the things that we've touched on here today? Yeah, if you want to find me, uh, I'm easy to find uh, on TikTok. I am Library Dad. Feel free to reach out to me there. Also on Twitter and a few other platforms that are 
looking to replace it soon, maybe, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can generally find me elsewhere as Writer Brarian. Uh, I'm also a writer, as I have a few novels. Writer Brarian. Yeah. Well, Brian, again, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for inviting me. This has been Vertical File by Sutron Global. If you enjoyed this show, please rate us five stars wherever you find your podcasts. Check us out online at www.sutron.com.